In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant. I'm joined as always by JB. It's bye week. This is our bye week podcast, our bye week special, JB. We've got to break down the first half of the season. We're going to look at positional grades for, well, obviously for each positional group. And we'll, we'll give out <laughs> grades and explanations as to why. And we're also going to do our updated power rankings. JB, I'm ex- so excited to hear what you've got for power rankings because I want to know if you've fixed... Uh, the mess that you made last time. Do do we have any grades for segment introduction? <laughs> yes, because that would uh, yeah that would that would leave me with a D, I think. Anyway, let's transition into our positional report cards. JB, you do the weekly report cards, but those are tough because those are reactionary. We do those after the game. Usually, well, I'm in the press conferences. JB is working away at the at the reactionary report card, and while those are fun you don't often have a chance to, you know, really break it down. You're kind of going off initial thoughts, things that you you notice, but it's not, you know, necessarily stuff you're sticking with, you know, on further review on, on rewatch, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, um, I mean, <laughs> look, if, if we could get all 24 film in Canada, which is a whole other conversation, uh, I would certainly probably be able to adjust them more. But at the end of the day, when you're just looking at the TV, there's usually a couple of things. Maybe, um, you know, maybe a defensive back wasn't as responsible as they looked at at first blush. Um, you know, it, it's really hard. You see how great it is on the broadcast when they get their, their you know, their 24 film to break down a play. And like, oh, man, what a, what a, what a game changer that would be. So, yeah, I would, I would say in general, I'm probably, um, uh, no, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say I, I don't, I don't think I'm too harsh. I think that I'm, it's surprisingly, I am not too harsh. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's start going through it here. We'll start with quarterbacks as, as we always do. Uh, I'll go first and then we'll alternate as we go through. So quarterback play, I think to this point, is a really tough one to evaluate because it kind of depends on what criteria we're including here. Because I think as a group, if you look at any team that has had to play one quarterback for four games, one quarterback for three games, and then has used another quarterback in situational opportunities, I think for the most part, your expectations would be very low because you're saying, well, my backup quarterback has played either three or four games, depending on how you look at it. And yet it hasn't really felt like that with the Argonauts. It hasn't felt like, oh, the backup's in. And that's because both McLeod Bethel-Thompson and Nick Arbuckle are starting caliber CFL quarterbacks. Now, they may not be the best in the league, but they belong. And so for me, I think I think you have to, for me, I think you've got to give this this a B. Uh, I, I think that's that's where I'm going to come down on this. They're not good enough to to get an A. They they're not leading the leagues in the league in any categories. They're not you know bowling people over, and there has been inconsistency as with the entire team between home play and away play. But when you look at it, and you've got two guys that have come in, as I said, one guy starting three games, one guy starting four games, to play as well as they have, I, I think you have to to tip your cap to that positional group. So JB. A B for the Argos quarterbacks. Where'd you go in this one? Yeah, I think I think B is fair too. I think um, I would even go so far as B plus. 
Um, I think that the two guys, you know, I don't think quarterback has been uh, the issue, um, but despite having two quarterbacks, you know, if you look statistically, they're pretty good. They're basically basically fourth or fifth in in most major uh, categories in terms of yards, uh, touchdowns thrown, um, percentage are all really good, like top four. So if you just do statistical, I think that the quarterbacks have done a good job. Now, are there? I wouldn't say you know I wouldn't go above B plus because certainly we haven't gotten elite CFL quarterbacking, but uh, I think you you can't you can't knock them. I'm I'm very happy with the with the quarterback play. JB, we'll stick with you as we move to running backs. How would you grade the running back performances for the first half of the season? Yeah, well, it's all, I mean, it's so Jekyll and Hyde, really. And I don't really blame them, but it it just seems to be, I don't know whether the team just gives up on it or it wasn't in the game plan, but uh, there seems to be a a, a lack of consistency in terms of how many times they're going to try and rush. You know, so in the, you know, some games I give them an A, and then some games I give them a C. Uh, I, I guess if I, I would go B minus for the running backs, I think that you know there were a couple of games that the running backs won for the Argos, so I think that gets them above a C. Um, and then in the games that they don't win, I think that the running back is not used at all. Now whether that is, uh, you know, causal or not is up for some discussion, but. There definitely seems to be an issue when the Argos are unable to use their running backs. Uh, they are not able to be successful. So, uh, you know, I think I'm not sure how much to blame the running backs. I think they, they've looked very good when they have been on. Um, and I've been very happy with, uh, you know, with both guys, with Foster and White. I think they both look like CFL running backs. So uh, B minus for me. And I'm going to go B plus for the running backs. I, I've been really impressed with them both. I, we both expected to see great things out of John White. I think we were both excited about him in the offseason. Now, going way back into the preseason, I, I wasn't even sure what the running back situation would look like. But once we got to training camp and we got to see John White out there a little bit, and then when we got to see DJ Foster after he arrived, it became pretty clear that this was going to be a positional group of strength. Both guys, they're, they're different, and yet they do a lot of things the, the same. Uh, they're both good in pass protection. I, I like uh, DJ Foster a little bit more as a route runner. I like uh, John White for his explosion, especially up the middle. I, I find that DJ Foster sometimes tries to bounce a little bit early, but they are similar kinds of backs, and, and, and they're both guys that you can rely on. I, I feel very comfortable having the ball in either one of their hands, and I think that when you look at the fact that these are guys that are splitting carries. It's not quite. It's not quite even. DJ Foster's only got twenty six or twenty seven carries on the year, and John White has has seventy. However, a lot of these snaps are taking place with DJ Foster on the field. So while he may not be getting the handoffs, they're getting the ball into his hand in in different ways. He he has a, a huge number of receive uh, of receptions for a running back and receiving yards. And the fact that John White is still even with all those DJ Foster snaps in fifth place in the league in terms of rushing yards with 362 rushing yards, averaging over five yards a carry as well. I think that's a real positive. In fact, DJ Foster is also averaging over five yards a carry. So you got two backs 
one 5.2 a carry, one 5.3 a carry. I, I think it's really hard to, to argue. And they're doing their job in terms of receptions and in pass protection. So I'm almost talking myself into an A, but I think that's it's a little bit high. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think, look, they're seventh in carries, but fifth in yards, which means that they are overperforming. Um, they certainly have been pretty good out of the backfield. But, you know, there are games where they disappear. And, you know, I think that that's, that's still... To me, a, a to be determined um, in terms of their impact because the games we've lost, they have been nowhere. So, so is that an offensive line issue? Is that an offensive coordinator issue? Is that a running back issue? So that's that's where I think I knock them down a bit. And to me, it's an offensive line issue. I, I I feel like it's pretty clear on that. And that's the thing with football: like you can be the greatest receiver in the world, but if the quarterback can't get you the ball, then it's never going to show up on the stat sheet. And you're going to be like, well, where are the receivers? How come how come they're not getting yards, catches, making plays? And that's how I feel with the running backs here. I've never felt going into a game. I never felt like the running backs really let the team down. And there were games where they struggled in terms of yardage and where the coaching staff went away from them early in the game because the Argos found themselves down. I'm thinking about that. The first game against Winnipeg, the first game against Hamilton. In both of those games, they had to abandon the run game early. And then there were other instances where the run game just really wasn't there. But I think that was an offensive line being a little bit overwhelmed. So I don't really want to hold that against them. And yet, truly elite backs will also find a way to get some of their own yardage too. And we've seen a little bit of that, but that hasn't been consistent. So I think that's the reason I'm not going as high as A, but I feel pretty good about a B plus for the running backs. Let's move on to uh, the wide receiving group. And (laughs) you gave away your B plus. What are you going to do now? Yeah. So uh, wide receivers are, I don't, I, I, I'm struggling with this one. I'll say I've got them down as a B. I, I, I would like to put them higher in that they've gone so deep into this positional group. You look at the number of different receivers they've had to trot out there because of injury. So many guys have been banged up. Guys have missed multiple games. Joan Breskison's been down for a while. Ricky Collins Jr. was out for a little bit. Levi Noel has been out. Uh, Eric Rogers has been banged up. He was a late scratch, of course. And so you've got, you know, Damian Jean-Pierre in there. You've got Chandler Worthy in there. Guys having great games, no matter who they put in. They've had a, a great game. I forgot, Braverman, of course, was was down as well. Uh, still is down. And so given that they've had to replace almost everybody at some point uh, throughout the season, and yet the receiving yardage hasn't really gone down tremendously. There are a couple of games where they, you know, they, they weren't necessarily putting up huge numbers. But they've been pretty consistent as a positional group all season. They haven't had a game where I felt like the receivers were the reason that they won the game. I think the closest we've come was the last game against Montreal, where where both uh, Worthy uh, and Jean-Pierre were making plays, and Giddens Jr. actually as well, where they were really making plays, and it was impressive. However, I think if you switch those names and say said that those yardage... Uh, numbers came from Daniels and Rogers and and Collins Jr. I don't think you would look at it the same way. I think it's because it was who they were that really impressed us with their performances. So I, I, I'm waiting to see one of those A-plus games where the receivers just annihilate the DBs that they're playing against. And part of that is maybe that's going to come because the second half of the schedule 
on paper is a lot easier than the first half. And maybe we'll see those games and maybe these opportunities that, that these second string receivers and third string receivers in some cases, you look at Worthy and, and Jean-Pierre, guys that you know you weren't even sort of thinking about in terms of making it uh, making an appearance on the stat sheet. You know, maybe this game time for them will pay off later in the season. We'll see. But for now, I'm going to go with a B. They've done very well. They've done everything that was asked, but I haven't seen them blow anybody away yet. <laughs> well, I'm going to give the correct grade, which is a B plus uh, for the wide receivers. They have, I think, been the really the strongest offensive unit. Um, they've been rotating through a lot of guys, and they're not perfect, for sure. There have been dropped contested balls, um, but they are um, very good with yards after catch. You know, I believe they're second yards after catch in the league. They're third in touchdowns. Um, I think that they've been able to adapt to two different quarterbacks. They've been able to to really show great depth. Whether you look at all the injuries that they've had, and they've still been able to come out and and put a squad that uh, that pushed some pretty good defenses. So I I would say B plus. Let's move on then to offensive line. JB, you're up first for this one. I'm I'm interested to see what you've got for offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I would say for offensive line, um, I would go C+. Plus. Um, I think that that's not a knock on the guys because they've been, you know, look, injuries have really decimated them, and it's been very difficult for them to have five guys consistently on the field, which is at all positions, it's the most important. It's, it's the unit that really is a unit. You need the same five guys all the time, and they haven't been able to do that, so I... The grade is not really a statement upon their ability. It's just what has happened, which is they've had some, you know, they've had some hard times. If uh, not terrible, you know, like in terms of sacks given up, rushing, we're, we're middle of the pack, so it's not um, a disaster. I think that really it, it's it's the high expectations we have of this team is is that the you know that we have units which are almost elite, and so therefore the offensive line, I think we expect so much from. So I, I believe that there is the talent there for to really be something when everybody comes back healthy. Um, but they certainly have had problems, not disastrous. I think that C plus is is you know is a is a low grade, but not you know I, I, it's not it's not an area that I think is is going to hold the team back from winning. I think it just is an area that uh, that needs to continue to be improved upon. It may surprise you. I've actually gone a little bit lower, just say flat C for the offensive line. And like you, I, I don't know how much of this is you know all their fault, I guess, because there has been so much movement. Philip Blake has been out. He has been playing center and he's not a natural center. Now you finally got Nicastro there, but Blake's not there at guard. I think once Philip Blake returns, I think you're going to see a much more cohesive unit. But, you know, we don't know exactly when that's when that's going to be. I think they're the weakest unit on this team, and I, I don't, I don't mean to to bash them because I think they're fine, and I think, like you said, I think they're good enough to win. But I can't think of a positional group that I'm more concerned about than offensive line week to week. They are, I, I think, the weakest positional group. They're pretty good in terms of run blocking. I, I quite like the run blocking. I think that's because the two most inexperienced guys are very good run blockers. Almost every week I've had Nicastro and uh, Dijon Allen as my top two ranked uh, run blockers. And so those are the two inexperienced guys. And those are the guys where it does fall off a little bit when it comes to pass protection because they are 
pretty consistently uh, on the bottom of my my past uh, blocking grades. So it ends up evening out for me to a C. I, I don't have any other positional group that is that low. And that makes sense because I, it, I, there's no other positional group that I am as concerned about. I think that the coaching staff has done a pretty good job of hiding them a little bit. You notice that they're not asking quarterbacks to take deep drops and wait all day in the pocket. There's a lot of RPOs. There's a lot of really quick hitting stuff, especially with Arbuckle. That's what Dinwiddie calls for him. And when they do go downfield, so in the Saskatchewan game, Arbuckle went downfield quite a, quite a lot. And in this last game against Montreal, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson went downfield quite a lot. But in both cases, they had to scramble. They had to buy some more time. There were very few plays where they were just sitting back there comfortably in the pocket looking for an open receiver. It just doesn't happen a lot. And that is a little bit of a concern for me because we've seen how that can really, um, it, it can kind of get, get an offense stuck. If a defense is confident rushing four and everyone else can play tight to the line of scrimmage, then now you're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback to be able to create his own time. And that's something that has really haunted the Argos in a couple of those road games specifically. So, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that the, the line isn't good. I think they're, they're fine. And I think this team can still win with them. And I also think they're going to improve a lot as the season goes on. But for me, it's a C. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, and I'll start off with defensive line. And this one's this one's hard to grade too because of how much movement they have had. So many defensive linemen in this rotation. The guys that we thought going into, I think probably in the last week of training camp, if we sort of written down these are the four guys I think are going to get the most snaps on the defensive line. None of the four of them. Well, maybe Charleston Hughes. He'd be the only one where you'd say, oh yeah, that's that that's one of the guys that I had. The other three guys aren't there. Shane Ray, we haven't seen since since the opener. We haven't seen Coney Ely. Uh, we, we haven't seen Drake Nevis yet. He's yet to make an appearance. Cordero Law, same thing. And it, it's incredible how well this group has done despite missing these guys. Sam Achampong, who's done an amazing job in the middle. We've seen the emergence of Sean Oakman, who has been incredible, way beyond the expectations that I had sort of set for him. I wasn't even sure either of those guys were going to make the team. And yet there they have been contributing almost every week since the beginning of the season. So it's been a, aside from one game, a very good run stopping unit. They didn't have a lot of sacks early on, but again, that wasn't really what they were being asked to do. In my mind, they were sort of being asked to essentially contain and close. And so I I think they've been among the better positional groups out there. I'm going to give them a B. Uh Man, uh, I'm going to give the defensive line a B minus. Um, again, this is a, a, a positional group that's been ravaged by injuries. And I think that individual guys have really stepped up. And I think that Oakman has been great. And uh, Charleston Hughes has been fantastic and probably played way more than they expected him to play. Um, you know, I think that the defensive line has been fine. Um, definitely, you'd like to have, you know, more sacks. Um, you know, we're sort of middle of the pack in terms of sacks. I'd love to see um, a little more pressure uh, in terms of run defense. You know, what, is that the defensive line? Is that the linebackers? Run defense needs to be shored up. So I'm going to give both positional groups uh, a bit of a knock uh, in terms of run defense. So I think when everybody comes back healthy, they're going to be a hell of a unit. But 
but for now I'm gonna say B minus that good good not not consistent and not not the force I thought they would be I, I thought they would be dangerous they have not been dangerous yet and and that I think is almost solely down to injuries but but you know I, I just don't expect them to get pressure and so I, I'm I'm, I'm B minus D line. We'll move on to linebackers and you're double dipping here on this one. This is a positional group that I, I think probably grades highest for us on our combined grade. Uh, but I don't know how much we punished them for that last game with Enoch Mwamba and Cameron Judge both out. We saw the difference that it made where Montreal was able to run at will. Now they've got a good running game, but it was night and day compared to when, especially when Enoch Mwamba was, was in there because his run defense is, is phenomenal. Where'd you go with, with linebackers? Uh, I'm going to give linebackers a B. I think that they have um, played well. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to see the linebackers a little more involved in uh, the pass rush. Now that's, that's probably a coaching issue. Um, uh, yeah, I've been happy. I, th- I think Mwamba's played really well. Uh, I think Cam Judge flashed before he injured, but he I wouldn't say that he he was everything I'd hoped in the first half of the season. Um, I think McCoyle's been terrific. I'm really happy with him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the linebackers, and I think that they have been solid, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the linebacking crew has been a standout. And again, you know, we, we lead, we're last in the league in first downs given up on run. And so I think that's a D-line linebacker, uh, you know, weight to carry. I'm going with an A with the linebacker group. <laughs> I, I I think they're the best positional group on the team. No. I, I don't think there's another positional group that can, uh, can come close to them. I think you look at, yes, Cam Judge probably hasn't been quite as good as I was hoping he would be, but he hasn't been bad. And to me, Moama has been phenomenal. He's been our defensive player of the game a, a couple of different times. And McCoyle might be the best linebacker of all of them. He's not even starting for, for most of these games. He finally got on the field as a starter in the last game with Diggs. And, and even Diggs, like when you're looking at this is now the fourth uh, guy that they've had up as, as a middle linebacker. He played very well for a fourth linebacker. You've had Hoyt in there. They've had injuries all over the place. I think it's been the best positional group on the team. They, if we're including Edwards in there too, I think that's a well, that an automatic. Well, a, that, I haven't. Right. I know I haven't included Edwards. I'm no. considering him as a DB, um, even though he is sometimes there uh, with regards to run support. It depends on the the formation and what they're doing. But yeah, I think just even as they are, I, it's close. But I, I am going to give them. I am going to give them an A. I oh. think that's. I just can't see who else is better on this team. Which other unit Defense would you say? Is, well, we'll get to it. Better than the linebackers? Yes. See, I, I, I don't see. I, I like the defensive backs. I think they're great. I don't think they're as good as the linebacking oh. core on this team. <clears throat> well, we shall see. All right. Well, that's it's to me then to move to defensive backs. So, again, like the linebackers, a unit that has played very well, they have been missing corners pretty much from the word go. So, uh, Robertson Daniel was hurt in that first game. He's been out ever since. Also, Arjun Cahoon was expected to play on the other side, and he really hasn't seen much time. And so we've had Tristan Deku in on uh, one side at field corner. 
and uh, Jamal Peters, who's been playing boundary corner. Now, Jamal Peters has done an excellent job. He is such a discovery. And I think probably of all the guys that they sort of found this year, and there's quite a few of them, I don't think any can be graded as high as, as Jamal Peters. He's been phenomenal because he's going up against the number one guy almost every week. And right from that first game when we saw him uh, in Winnipeg, you know, do such a, a great job against a, a highly gifted receiver. I think... You know, that really impressed us, but he hasn't really let up since then. He's been wonderful. Shaq Richardson has been amazing. Jeff Richards has been amazing. Kresna Butler has been a pleasant surprise at at free. It wasn't a position I thought he would be playing this year. He's done very well. And, you know, we've seen a lot of movement. Guys had to, Tristan Deku had to slide over to, to halfback. We saw Jeff Haggerty had to come in and play a game at free safety. I think they've held up very well considering the injuries. And we're including that Sam linebacker. I think I think Chris Edwards might be the best Sam linebacker in the league. So it is a, a good positional group. They the issue I have with them, they're not to me, they're not an A graded unit because teams have been able to work their way down the field when they needed to get a quick score and they've allowed teams to get back into games. You go back to last week against Montreal, late in the game. We know Montreal's passing, we know what the situation is, and yet there are receivers wide open downfield. And I just think an A-graded unit isn't going to give that to you. So for me, they've done well. It's a B plus. Yeah, I'm a B plus too. I I wouldn't say A either. I I don't, uh, you know, I I think that the Argos don't have A's. I think that it's been a, I think it's been a good season so far, but uh, to me, A is elite, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I think they're a B plus. I think you look at at what they've done. You know, statistically, they're kind of the middle of the pack, which is pretty good. They they don't they 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 do give up touchdowns, so there have been busts. So that is an area that needs to be looked at in terms of touchdowns given up. That the red zone and and the bus need to need to get tightened, um, but. You know, obviously, I, I I love Edwards. I think he's playing fantastic. I think that the unit has been a strength for the team, um, despite the occasional bust. I think that they have done a good job of of keeping people in check. I don't think we've been eaten up by a wide receiver in a particular game. Uh, we're we're close to the top. I think we're third in interceptions. Um, I'd love to see a pick six coming in terms of scoring. We haven't done that yet. I think I think the defensive backs are capable of scoring and, and we'll get there. So I, I give them a B plus in that there are areas to work on, but I, I'm not concerned about the defensive backfield. I, I think that, that they're going to get that, you know, they're going to get a few things tightened up and they are, uh, they're a strength. I think they're going to be, they're really going to shine in the second half. Special teams is up next. JB, you are doubling, I believe on, on special teams, how are you going to grade this unit? Um, well, I think that BD has been a terrific kickoff guy. He leads the league in kickoff yards. Um, pretty good at field goals. Uh, fourth in field goal percentage. Um, pretty pretty solid. He's made some ones when that really counted. Um, so I've been I've been happy with BD. Um, even punting's okay. Um, I, I think he still has more leg to give there, but I think that 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 has been solid. So. I would I would give BD as a kicker uh, an A minus. I think that he has really been um, everything they were hoping to get, especially after the you know their last kicker. I think that he has been doing double duty and been doing it well. Uh, saves them a position 
on the roster. Uh, I think he's been a really nice addition um, from from him. I've kind of broken it up. Uh, kick return, punt return, I'm going to give a D. Uh, kick return, punt return, both are last. Both are not good. And now, look, maybe we're going to see, looks like there might be some life there. But I, I think that the team needs to needs to improve on that. If, if you want to be, you don't need to be first, but it, I don't think you can, you know, pardon the, the, the pun or whatever, I don't think you can just punt on returning. Uh, I don't think we have an offense. I've talked about this. I don't think we have an offense good enough to to just not look for those yards on punt return. So for me, it's a D on uh, kick return, punt return. Yeah, I haven't broken it up like you, but I think it's basically the same overall grade. My overall grade for them is a C plus, and I would agree with you. I, I would probably have Beatty somewhere around there as well. His kickoffs have been great. His field goals, uh, especially last game, I thought that was an amazing three for three in a range that isn't his best range. So, you yeah. know, he's he's yeah. had some real moments this year. I would like more consistency from him punting, and you mentioned that too. I I haven't really seen many occasions where he's just boomed one. The way that we've seen him do in practice, we've seen a few kicks in practice that just go a mile, and so we know he's capable of it. There have been scenarios where we're way backed up against our own doorstep. And you would love to see him just unleash one of those 70 yarders that he sometimes digs down for and, and finds in practice. And we just haven't really seen that happen yet where he just completely turns the field. So I, at very least, I want some more consistency from him at punting. But he's been great. I think he's he's been you know pretty much everything we've asked for. And I'm, I'm maybe not quite as hard on on the returners because I, I do see where it's going. In last game, you saw the difference with Chandler Worthy back there. And I, I like to hope that that's going to continue. I don't know whether we'll see Braverman uh, get that job back once he's healthy. I expect after the excitement that was generated from some of Chandler Worthy's returns, that that may be his job going forward. But we'll see. They've got to make space for him on the roster. I so think, I think punt cover and uh, kickoff cover have also been good. Obviously, we, we had that bust in Hamilton, but... I think that's been pretty good. Honestly, it has not been um, an issue. Uh, punting has, you know, in terms of pump blocks, you know, that needs to get tightened up a little bit. So I think I think specials have been fine. You know, I think that it, they're not a weapon, but it hasn't been a deficiency. You know, I, th- I think, you know, I mean, <laughs> like any 500 team, I think that, uh, you know, I think that, that it's fine. Now, can we get that to be better than fine? That That's certainly the hope. And I think I'm going to be a little more critical of the protection uh, on punting. And I think that may be why we haven't seen some of those booms from Boris Beattie. He's had so many punts blocked that he's got to be, you know, thinking he's, he's got to be faster than usual. I'm sure his his delivery has been sped up because it seems like every other game someone's in the backfield blocking a punt. And that's just inexcusable. Teams will go an entire season without having a punt block. That's the norm. And to already have three pump blocked at this point and several others that have come close, I think that's just too much. So I, I, that goes into my, my you know, uh, critical grading, I guess, of the, the special teams unit. I'll, I'll move on to coaching now. This is a, a unit that, for me, I think is actually pretty easy to, to gauge. Um, I think this is a B- minus for me. I, I've been pleased most games. I think there, there was one game in particular where I felt they were really outcoached. 
Um, and that was the uh, that was the the first uh, Winnipeg game where I just felt like you know they were outcoached. And then the first Hamilton game, I felt like it was on them that the team didn't come in disciplined and ready to play. It wasn't the strategy that where I felt like their game plan wasn't good. It was just that the team didn't appear to be ready, and I hold that against them. But for the most part, I think they've handled a, a ton of injuries extremely well. I think they've been creative. They've adjusted. They haven't. What I like especially about Coach Dinwiddie is he doesn't call the same plays. For for Nick Arbuckle that he calls for uh, for McLeod Bethel Thompson and obviously for, for Antonio Pipkin as well. And based on who he's got in there, he'll he'll basically send out a different offense. So I like that. He's not a coach that is just stuck saying, well, this is my offense. We're going to run it and I'm going to find the guys that will run it. He caters what he does to his players. And I think you can see the same thing on the other side of the ball defensively. And the coaching staff has done a really nice job of that. So uh, yeah, I, I think I think B minus is, is a fair grade. Yeah, I'm going to give them a B just because I think, you know, I'm, I'm marking a bit on a curve here. As a first-year coach with with a veteran team, it very easily could have gone sideways. And I've been really impressed with how they've been able to to gear up for games after a loss, um, how they've been able to adapt to an opponent for the second game. I think those are both really great signs of a good coach. The next step is can they achieve consistency do they need to have those constant ebbs and flows um you know that'll that'll be a question for the coaching staff but i think as a first year coach i've been really impressed with dimity i think he's i think he's done a, a a great job of of steering this team to the record that we had hoped they would have so i can't i can't bang him for that i mean that's basically what we thought it would be and and he's achieved it so overall grade for the team yeah, where where do you stand on this one? Mm, I would say overall grade for the team B. And I'm the same. I I think my overall grade for their home games I know, I mean, is an A. It's boring, but <laughs> yeah, but, but that's and, who they and are. in their three home games, uh, I would give them an A. In their four road games, I'd give them a C. Uh, maybe a D on a couple of those outings, but I think they played pretty well in Calgary in that opener. So, yeah, I, I think overall this ends up grading as a B. I think that's fine, and that's as a as a four and three team. Uh, you know, that's that's the grade that you would expect to see. So, yeah, overall we're both in agreement. It's a B for the Argos. Let's transition to our power rankings, JB. Yeah. You made a mess of this last time, so I'm I'm excited to see if you've made amends here. Um, I hope you don't have Calgary in the top three. I may just have to cut you off and do the rest of the show on my own. Calgary, Calgary did fall apart. I thought that they, I, I, I got a little too predictive, and uh, and they fell apart. So don't worry, I have appropriately ranked Calgary. All right, let's start with number nine. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll kick things off. For number nine, this one I know is going to upset some people. I've got the, <laughs> I've got the Ottawa Red Blacks in at nine, even though they have defeated the Edmonton Elks twice. I have Ottawa nine. And the simple reason for that is I just, when I look at them, they're not, they're, they're not a better team than anybody. If you asked me, who would you want to play of the other eight CFL teams? Who would you, who would you feel most confident going against? I would pick, I would pick the Ottawa Red Blacks. So for me, that's why they're nine. Uh, for me, I love to say this. Number nine, the Edmonton Elks. Edmonton, your team is garbage. You are the worst team in the CFL. That's all I have to say about the Edmonton Elks. 
I, it's, I, I don't have much of an argument. They're not a good team. No, and they're terrible. They lost the, to the Ottawa twice. You should, I know. You should be ashamed of yourselves, Edmonton. I think they are. But I think that the difference is Trevor Harris is going to come back probably next week. And, and it, if you ask yourself, would you rather play Trevor Harris and this Edmonton Elks team or Ottawa and whoever is out there, uh, would you really rather play Edmonton? I'm, I'm, look, I have dunked on Ottawa many a time. And now I'm enjoying a perfectly defendable Edmonton dunk. So that is what I'm doing. Edmonton, you are the biggest loser. Well, I have Edmonton in at number eight for all the reasons I just went over. Is your eighth team at least Ottawa? <laughs> yes, your okay. Ottawa Red Blacks, number, number eight on your program, number one in your heart. Uh, all right. For number seven, I have your Calgary Stampeders. Mm. They just haven't been able to get off the ground. They showed some promise in there a little bit. And then I thought once Bo Levi Mitchell got his health back, well, although I'm not even sure how, you know, if he, if he really does, but when he got back in, I thought, well, maybe now we'll see the team that we thought we'd see. And we just, we just never have. So I, I think that's an easy one for me. Those bottom three, I, I, I really have trouble seeing any of those three teams anywhere, but the bottom three. Where's your seven? Yeah, um, I I went with Calgary as well. Um, I I debated uh, Calgary and Edmonton or uh, Calgary and Montreal, um, but I I think Montreal they, they still have that elite running back and Calgary. Look, I gave you some love and you just betrayed me beyond all recognition. So no no love for Calgary. I think that they are seven and trending in the wrong direction. I assume you're with me with number six in picking Montreal. I, I just don't think they're in the next tier of teams, which would include like the Toronto's, Hamilton's, Saskatchewan, BC. Like that's sort of, that's the tier to me that's below Winnipeg. And I don't feel like Montreal belongs there yet, but they're also not Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa. They kind of stand on their own at six for me. Yeah, I mean, I've, <laughs> we're, we're, we're very in lockstep. I wish... I wish I had something more exciting. I No, that's where I have Montreal. I think that's exactly who they are. I think that on any given night, they can give a team a run. But also, Vernon Adams is going to throw the ball to the wrong team. It does happen. Number five for me is the BC Lions. Uh-huh. Uh, man, I like that. I like that that logo that they they brought out the other day. I thought that was really cool. I, I would love them to, to. I'd love to see them them make that a, a permanent thing. I'd love to see that as a permanent helmet logo. BC Lions are a much better team than I thought they were going to be. I went into the season expecting them to be near the bottom. They've really impressed me. They're they're a team I I don't want to play. And the only reason I don't have them higher is that, and it's actually a point that you brought up. I think on our last show. They just haven't really played anyone yet. They haven't been tested. And so I can't justify putting them into the top four until they get some real quality wins. <laughs> I mean, we did not talk about this ahead of time. And obviously standings are helping. But yeah, I have I have BC there too. I think they are, um, you know, they've shown some real um, fight this year. I, you know, preseason, I, I didn't think a lot of them. Moving on to number four, I've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, a good team, but not where I thought they would be. I came into this year expecting them to be the best team in the league, and they just haven't even been close to that. We we saw them probably play two really good games. Maybe not even. Maybe it's just one really good game, and that was the first game, the Labor Day game uh, against the Toronto Argonauts. But other than that, they've they've looked fine. But I I just don't. I, I'm not I'm not worried about them. There's two more games that the Argos have against them. No concerns for me. I have them in four. 
Uh, I also have them fourth. Uh, I debated third um, simply because they've played mainly road games. So they have a lot of home games coming up. And uh, I think that that's going to help them. Um, and uh, they play Ottawa. Um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, look, they have quarterback issues in terms of health. Um, and, you know, as a team, they, you know, I think that, I think we've seen what, what they are. I, I don't, I don't see Hamilton. They'll be tougher at home and the record should improve. But I think if you look at Toronto and who hopefully will come back, I think Toronto has another gear. I, d- I don't think Hamilton does. And that leads us to number three, where I have the Toronto Argonauts. I would love to put them as high as two. I can't justify it. They went into Saskatchewan and got their doors blown off. And uh, Winnipeg, I, I, I think I, I can't put any, you know, the, the lowest I can put Winnipeg is one. And that's kind of spoiling where I'm going with the rest of this. But they're clearly the best team in the league. Saskatchewan, I have no reason to put them below Toronto. I know they had struggled against Winnipeg, but... Of course they have. They're, they're Winnipeg's the best team in the league. So for me, Toronto is number three. I can't see any other way around that. I'm sure that's the same with you. Yeah. Um, you know, Toronto might be number two at home and number five on the road. They um, might be one at home. You know, yeah, they're they're very good at home. Um, yeah, I have Toronto at, at three, too. I think Saskatchewan um, deserves to be, you know, they, they beat the doors off Toronto and uh, I think I think Saskatchewan is two, but two two on a on a sandy perch. I, I don't I don't have them locked in at two. I think I think that could easily that could easily change. And you look at Saskatchewan's losses. Like you take Winnipeg out, who we both agree is is a, a great team. Then yeah, they beat Toronto, they beat Hamilton, they beat BC. So th- to me, that's uh, I don't know. Beat BC yeah, twice. And we, actually, and we thought Saskatchewan was you know preseason, right? Like so, it's not like they're a bit of an illusion, which maybe BC is. I mean, Saskatchewan has a great roster. Um, I, we expected them to be the best team in the league. So I'm, I think that, that that also helps me pick them at two. And that leaves Winnipeg at number one. And I don't think anyone will question this. I love what the Argos were able to do to Winnipeg at home. And that is something that has stuck with me and gives me a lot of confidence going to the second half of the season for the Argonauts. Winnipeg can be beat and Toronto has the means of doing it. They have the right people in place to be able to beat Winnipeg. Well, I, think, I think Mike O'Shea uh, was so angry at losing at BMO that he's just taking it out on the league now. It, it does look like that. Now they've, they gotten, in... now they've gotten guys back, right? And so that yeah. that has helped them f- find another gear where offensively they, they're they more dangerous and the defense is still a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love them preseason. I thought that in a season that was going to have so much turmoil, um, they were bringing back basically the same squad without their kicker. So this doesn't surprise me at all. And I think Mike O'Shea is a hell of a coach. Um so I, I I think they're one and one solid. I think I think that um, the Grey Cup goes through Winnipeg. And it does surprise me. I didn't think they were going to be as good as you thought they were going to be. I had Saskatchewan Toronto as my Grey Cup prediction preseason, and I was ridiculed uh, profusely for that. It doesn't look as silly now. That's the number two and number three teams. But I didn't see Winnipeg in there at all. I felt like their Grey Cup win was just a team that went on a run. They didn't look great to me in the regular season. In fact, that horrible 2019 Argos team beat them, as, as we all remember. Uh, but then Winnipeg went on this huge run. But 
I, I didn't think that would continue, and it has. They they look fantastic. So they are number one for both of our rankings. So the only difference we have in our power rankings, JB, is you have Ottawa at eight and Edmonton at nine, and I have <laughs> yeah, Ottawa I mean, at nine, Edmonton at you eight. You know, I think that as the season goes on and you get more data, it, it becomes much clearer. Um, you know, you're, no, you're not really predicting anymore. You are what your record is, and so... Well, sort of, but no one else has the same rankings that we do. Everyone else has very different power rankings. It just happens to be that ours are the same. Yeah, well, I think we we probably see the game largely very similar. There were were definitely ones I flipped back and forth on, but I think we both came up with uh, the definitive rankings, if I do say so. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. As always, make sure you check out our website, xsandargos.com, for all the latest. I got a video piece coming out, I think, tomorrow uh, that will go through uh, some of the deep passes that we've seen those last two weeks. Last week from McLeod Bethel-Thompson, the week before from Saskatchewan. And I kind of go into where these deep passes come from, why the quarterback goes deep on this play and the other quarterback doesn't. And that's I, I found that kind of an interesting study. I kind of got lost in that one a little bit because there was some some really cool data in there. So make sure to check that out. Plus, if you get a moment, please uh, subscribe to the podcast so it shows up right there on your phone. And we would love it if you took some time to rate and review so other Argos fans know how to find us. For JB, my name is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.